people missing. We had that, that rib cage and, you know, rib cage shaking Tom the, doing the thump, and I noticed that's kind of missing in the worship team. You kind of miss that, don't you? And, uh, you know, he's with Jackie, and, you know, Jackie's not doing too well, guys. She's in stage four cancer, and so he's really uh, at her side trying to help her and, and um, be praying for, for Tom and, and Jackie right now. Also, our young adults, they're all at this uh, camp. They're having a camping trip. And uh, they're, they're out of town and worshiping somewhere on the planet in Missouri. And um, hopefully they're not getting flooded out. But that's where they are this morning as well. And so that's why this section is a little sparse over here. Uh, and uh, like I say, uh, uh, the campus, we just had a weekend at my house at, and Denise and I at house. Uh, we had uh, this uh, retreat, refocus retreat that's called uh, Catching Fire. And, and we're really talking about catching the fire of God. So the whole weekend we talked about all the different things the Bible talks about. It talks about fire. And I uh, can't help but think that God wants His church to catch fire. He wants you to catch fire. And uh, He wants that fire to burn inside you. You know, if you read the Old Testament, you find something out. And this is just free. This isn't the lesson right now. This is something you ought to know, though. There are three different fires that are on the altar. And one of the fires is designated to be used for the burnt offering, to burn up animals before the Lord. Another fire was used to burn incense. But there's this one fire, this one small fire that burned all the time. And that's what the priests were to make sure was always burning and never went out. And as priests, the Bible calls Christians, priests in the New Testament, we're to keep that fire going as well, that fire inside us, okay? And that's the presence of God in our lives. And so I hope that... Today, you know, by being with us at Greater Alton Church, if it's your first time or your second time or you've been here for a while, that you leave this morning different, you feel uplifted, you feel that you'll feel encouraged. But most of all, like a fire has been lit, not under you, but in you, okay, to make a difference. And so today, you know, we're, there's, uh, we're, t- we're still continuing our, our series on the book of Acts. We've been in this now. This is lesson number 17. There are two more to go. Gary will be finishing up the book of Acts uh, in the next two weeks uh, with us. And uh, then we're going to be starting a new series called Rooted. And uh, you'll be hearing more about that next week in the bulletin as well. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, uh, uh, again, if it's your first time here with us, sit back and relax. Uh, we don't have an altar call. You make your decision right there in your seat. You'll notice in your bulletin there's some notes to follow. We like filling in blanks and circling words and underlining words, trying to get the Word of God in our hearts. You know, God doesn't want it just in our heads. He wants the Word of God in our lives and our hearts. And so we make attempts to do that by having these notes for you. You can follow along and look at them later. And I hope you'll check me out. Check the Scripture out. Uh, I'm a human being, and sometimes I don't get it quite right. And I want, and, but yet God, you know, His Word is always right. Check out what the Scriptures teach and see if what I'm telling you makes sense and it's true. Uh, as, and also, there's a communication card you're going to notice in this, in this bulletin. And it's just a, like you can make a decision right there in your seat. And, we, and what we do is at the end of the services, we sing two songs. We sing a song to give you time to fill out that card. And then we sing another song and collect that card along with the church's contribution. And those cards are sorted and given to a team of people who pray over those cards. They're given about five or six cards and they pray for you. They pray for what your needs are, your decision you're making. Let's say it's a decision to study the Bible. I know somebody that uh, came here and has decided to study their Bible. This kid came here last week and is now in a Bible study. Isn't that awesome? That is so encouraging. Yes, that's awesome. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And, you know, there's some of you, you've been coming to church for a long time, and you finally thought, you know what, how do you become a member here? Great choice to make. And so what do those people do in the prayer team? They pray that you'll, you'll follow through with that choice and, and that God will link you up with somebody here, and perhaps you're going to find out this plan, this purpose God has for your life. Um, we say around here that we are here to build a bridge to a better life. And every time I go across the Elton Bridge... I go into Missouri, and if you're from Missouri, I don't mean to offend you. It may not be a better place, although, you know, Illinois does have its moments, doesn't it? But the bridge that's built between you and God, I want you to know, it is to, it's to be a better life. And uh, we hope that you experience that today. Um, take the plunges going on. We've got two more weeks after this week. Uh, the parents, you're going to be worshiping with your kids in two weeks. Are you ready to worship with your kids? Because your kids are crazy at this. They're ready. They're, they're biting at the bit. They can't wait till you go back there and with them and sing and participate. 
eat a few snacks at the snack shack or, or do some, something cool in oceans of motion. I mean, it's going to be a blast. And, and so I uh, hope you'll join your kids and, and have a great time um, uh, learning to take the plunge. Uh, so t- today we're in the book of Acts. That's enough commercials. Okay, we're in the book of Acts, and, and uh, you know we're we're talking about something today. I I've, I thought was interesting. Uh, last week I told you that I was struggling with what to preach on because I'm taking the next two weeks off, and I said, Lord, you haven't given me this last lesson yet. And I wasn't complaining, mind you, but I was asking, and I said, Lord, you know, I really. And you say, Are you serious, Tim? I'm dead serious. I am not sharp enough to come up with stuff, and God makes me sharp enough, or God gives me hopefully some good stuff that you can you'll be encouraged by. And so I was praying behind the petition while you were singing the last week uh, before I did the lesson on uh, the Apostle Paul and his testimony. And we heard four awesome testimonies last week. Am I right? Great stuff. Great encouragement. I had somebody walk up to me and say, you know, I want to hear more stories like that. Those stories motivate me to go find somebody and lead them to Christ so I can hear their story. I thought that was cool. Well, I'm sitting there in the back and I'm going, you know, Lord, and I'm, you know, and what do you do back there? I pray a lot. Lord, help me not mess this up. You know, let me, help me make it worth the trip. You know, let, let it not be the coffee was the best thing they got this morning, but something from your word, you know, and please, Lord, work. And, and, but I'm asking the Lord for a lesson. And, he's, and this, this is what I, it comes to me, is chapter 27, the book of Acts. And what is it? Well, it's, it's, it's about a storm that happens. Now, when I think of storms in the Bible, I think about Jesus in the boat, the disciples are going, we're all going to die. And they go wake Jesus up. And he goes, huh? what's wrong? We're going to die. You got us out here. This fishing trip is really, you know, it stinks. You're going to kill us all. And he goes, what's going on? He walks up. And I got to see Jesus kind of half asleep. He's calm. Looks around. And he kind of goes, peace be still. And everything just kind of goes. And it's calm. And he goes, I'll see you guys later. And he goes back to sleep, you know. That's the storm that I think of. And by the way, that was the storm the kids learned about last week in Take the Plunge. They learned that you want, you need to have Jesus in your boat when it starts rocking. That you need God in your life because the storms of life are coming, folks. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you don't, you're not insulated from storms and hardships and trials. Look what it says up here on your notes. Up here, it says here, Jesus said these words to followers. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. In fact, we just sang the song that says, in this world, you will have trouble. And then, right? Is that true? When you follow Christ, I guarantee you, troubles are not going to somehow step aside and go, oh, excuse me, you're a Christian? I'll go right ahead. Sorry I bothered you. No, it doesn't work that way, does it? In fact, I've learned that whenever I start trying to get serious about God, Satan gets serious. Satan, you say, wait a minute, you're telling me that if I'm trying to do what's right, that I could be asking for a lot of things to go wrong? Uh-huh. Big time. I, I don't know how many people, including myself, when I became a Christian, boy, then somebody turned up the heat in my life. Things got rough. They got tough. But I love this. Jesus does two things. He promises two things this morning here in this passage. He promises if you follow him, you're going to face trouble. But all the the second part, what a wonderful promise. He also promises something else. He says, but take heart. Be encouraged by this. Don't be afraid about about these trials. Don't let them push you around and intimidate you. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I will help you through those storms. You're going to face them, but you're better off facing them with me than you do alone. And I don't know, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, how in the world are you able to face the storm alone? You don't have a prayer. You don't have a chance. And if you're somebody this morning, you go, I'm here because my wife or my husband or, or, or my kids or my parents made me come here. And I'm really not interested in having a relationship with God. Uh, I can't help you this morning. You, 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 this lesson isn't going to help you. Unless, of course, you go, you know... If I'm going to face some trouble, I don't want to face it alone. And who better to help me with this storm in life than the one who overcomes the world, who holds all the storms in his hands? That being Jesus. So as we as we look at storms in general, and there's all kinds, I think, of Jonah and the great fish. There's a big storm, huh? 
you know, and you, and you think about the Jesus and disciples, this storm here in Acts 27, it just is, is a marvelous story of of a disciple of somebody going through a storm, even though they're a Christian. And by the way, they're going through this storm and it's not their fault. Not even their storm. It's somebody else is causing a storm. Now, don't look at your husband, ladies. Don't say, yeah, you cause all kinds of stuff. If you'd have been smart, we wouldn't be in this financial mess. Or, guys, don't, don't look over. Here's how women look at their husbands like this. Men, when they want to give the stinker, they do this. You know what I'm saying? They know better to go. They might get in trouble. So I saw some men going like that. You know, I'll try to help you. But you know, we sometimes we'll blame our kids, we'll blame our parents, we'll blame our friends, and 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 they're the source of the mess we're in. Paul is not the source of the storm he is in. It's somebody else that's causing this storm in his life, and yet God doesn't insulate him from it. He lets him experience it too. I think there's a reason. That God wants Christians in storms caused by other people. And we'll get to that in a minute. Think about that for a minute. You may be in a storm because somebody else. And you're thinking, what is this going to get over with? Every time around this person, there's always a drama. There's always a problem. Well, guess what? You may be in that situation for a reason. You ever thought about that? And what better person to be in a storm than a person who believes in the power of God? And here in Acts 27, we see this. If you've got your Bibles and you'd like to turn to Acts 27, we're going to read a while. And this is a story about, you know, here's, here's Paul's two weeks. His two weeks. He, gets, he, gets, he goes into a typhoon for two weeks. His, his ship crunches under him. He, go, he experiences another shipwreck. He's experienced more than one in his life. And he gets bit by a snake. Would you like to have that stuff going on in your life the last two weeks? Talk about drama. Talk about stuff. Paul's got it going on, and yet he's faithful. Well, let's read it together. We're just going to read the storm part here. It says in verse 1 of chapter 27, When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius. Remember Julius, he's a centurion now, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded the ship from Adramidum, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out... To see Aristarchus, a Macedonian, and Thessalonican from Thessalonica was with us. The next day we landed in Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed in Myra and, and Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Asnidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite of Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassia. Much time had been lost And sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter there, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was the harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by a storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called uh, Cauda, We were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship instead of holding it together, uh, itself to hold it together, fearing they would run aground on the sandbars of uh, Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. 
We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should take my advice. You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. I think the Greek behind this is, nah, 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 nah. Maybe not. We sh- you should have took my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would, you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage. Keep up your courage. Because no one... Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. I don't know. How would you feel about that? You're all going to be okay, but the ship's going to fall apart. Okay, how's this going to work out? Now, there's a reality show, huh? Last night, he says, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. This storm lasts for two weeks. It says, when about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it to be 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down in the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes and held the lifeboat that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair on his head. After that, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, it was 276 of us on board. When they, when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, the storms, it seems like the storm's ending. It's coming, it's clo- slowly passing by. Because they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with, sand, with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship stuck in a sandbar and ran aground, and the bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks and on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached the land safely. And then you read about where Paul goes to the island of Malta, and he's bitten by a snake, and all of the, all of the islanders are looking at him like he's going to die any second. He's going to swell up and die. Watch. And he never does. And they're amazed by it. What's this story about? Well, you see, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Perfect Storm, or read the book. I've read the book. And I've watched the movie. And I'll tell you, it, it, the perfect storm is about these fishermen off Gloucester Bay who go to fish and they go further and further away. And as they do this storm, these three storms kind of collide. It, it's perfect conditions for the, the, the worst storm you could ever imagine. And they call it the perfect storm. And if you've never seen the movie, I'm going to ruin the ending for you. They all die. They all die. Nobody survives. In that perfect storm. Yet here, you know, what I see is all the physical elements 
the atmospheric pressure, if you will, and all the other meteorological stuff, the jargon that these guys use from Doppler radar, if they had that back then, would say, look, what's happening? There's a storm that's about to form, and it's going to be a perfect storm. And while that's going on, something is happening in the spiritual world. All the spiritual elements are coming together. And I want you to see that this morning, that this is a perfect storm for God to work. And guys, you and I are going to face storms in life. It's a gimme. Whether you follow Christ or not, you're going to face something. You're going to face... You, you, a storm may come in the, in the form of a divorce. The storm may come in the form of cancer. The f- storm may come in, the, in, in some kind of disease or some kind of ailment or some kind of financial failure. It's going to come. You'll have a fallout with a friend. Something's going to happen. The storms are going to come. And if... Guys... What really matters, if it's going to be a perfect storm, you better have God in your boat. You better have Christ with you or you're going to die. It's going to overtake you. I've watched so many people over the years who won't bring Christ into their storms and they don't make it to shore. And yet Jesus said, you're going to face trouble. But I've overcome the world. What's he saying? And by the way, when he was in the boat with the disciples, they got safely to the other side. When they were straining at the oars and he walked on water and everybody thought, it's a ghost. And it was him. They got safely to the other side when he got in the boat. And here, we don't see Jesus in the boat physically per se, but we see God in the boat. Because it's, it's a perfect time for God to work. I got to thinking, I get myself in all kinds of... You ever get, you get yourself in trouble? Someone was telling me, uh, as Mike Daniels was saying, I saw a shirt the other day. Everything happens for a reason. And something's happened. The reason something's happened to me or has happened is because I'm stupid and make poor choices. <laughs> and that's true. And you see here, the Apostle Paul is in this storm, but he didn't cause the storm. It's a guy... The guy, and by the way, in other words, he didn't go into the storm. He wasn't the one who was behind going in the storm. The person that, was, that led this ship into the storm is a fellow named Julius. And, and we see the mistakes he makes that we can identify with. That sometimes you and I ask for the storms because we make these same mistakes. Like what, Tim? Well, you know, I get myself in storms, first of all, when I grow impatient. You ever got in a hurry and got in trouble? You ever got in a hurry and and it becomes a mess? You're driving. You get in a hurry and... I get to meet the policeman today. And he's handing out brochures. This one cost me $150. How to drive better. My officer handy. Okay, I get it. But you know, we grow impatient. And that's what happens. Look at this verse here, verses 8 and 9 up here on the screen. It says, We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to the place called Fair Havens near the town of Lacia. Much time had been lost and sailing, uh, and, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. He's saying, man, we've lost a lot of time. And, you know, you get behind, you get the, the behinder I get, the more the hurrier I get. Is that true? Or the other way around? You know what I'm talking about? We get behind. We try to make up. We make hasty decisions. We, we, we don't think. We grow impatient. Julius is impatient. He wants to get these prisoners to Rome. He wants to get Paul to Rome. And so he's trying to figure out how to do it. They've already behind schedule. Let's get on another boat. Let's go. Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because we just are hasty. It says somewhere in Proverbs, it's not good to have zeal without knowledge. It's not good to be hasty and miss the way. You impatient? Don't think? I, 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 I should have sat down and gave that a little more time before I did that. We get ourselves in all kinds of storms when we grow impatient. Here's the second one. And that is when I listen to the experts over God. Everybody's an expert. Everybody's an expert. You know, I've learned the, one, the people I watch, when they're right about something, it agrees with the Lord. It always agrees with God. 
when they're right about something, when they're really wise, it makes sense and it works because it agrees with God who already, already has revealed it. But see, Julius isn't listening to Paul. You know, Paul says, I can see this is going to be bad, guys. I don't think it's a good idea. You know, we've had difficulty coming up. Why don't, why don't we wait here? And look what, look what it says here in verses 10 and 11. It says, men, he says, I can see that our voyage is going to be a, a, a disastrous. It's going to bring great loss to the ship and cargo and our own lives as well. He's saying, guys, I can tell. Well, how does Paul know this? I've been on shipwrecks. I've been in shipwrecks. I know this is going to work. He says, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. You're just a tent maker. That's what Paul did for a living. You're just a preacher. What do you know? If we need some... Spiritual counsel will talk to you. But we're sailors. These men know what they're talking about. The owner of the ship says we ought to do it. And he wants to do it too. You know, guys, I've learned something. I can always find people that agree with me and say what I want to hear. But the real value is finding people around me that will tell me what I need to hear. And Paul is telling them, I can, guys, I'm telling you, this is not a good time to go. It's, it's late in the year. We had difficulty coming up here. And he tries to warn him. But what's a centurion do? He listens to someone else. And guys, we get ourselves sometimes. Sometimes the storms we're in is because we listen to the wrong people. We won't listen to the right people. Here's another one. And that's, that's uh, is when I follow the majority. When I follow the majority. That's, I think that's actually verse 12 instead of verse 11. I might be wrong. But I, I tend to follow the majority. Is there a verse there you can show us? Jesse, is there one there? Oh, thank you. Well, verse 12 says this. It says that the majority decided to sail on. That's what it says in verse 12, if you look at your Bible. So the centurion, had it, or uh, Julius had it this way. Let's see, there's me, the pilot, the captain, in other words, and the owner. That's three. I got one nay vote. I think we're going to go with the majority. And guys, you know, a lot of times we'll think, I, I got these people, they're all telling me this, this is a good idea, you know, and, and then somebody comes and poo-poos on their party and says, no, I don't think it's a good idea, and we start doing addition. Well, these people all say it. And the problem with that is the majority isn't always right. Sometimes a majority can be wrong. Check your Bibles out and you find that is quite often the case. But there's another reason I get myself in storms, not just because, you know, I grow impatient. Sometimes I, I listen to experts or I or I follow majority. Another another way I get myself in trouble is I trust current conditions over the facts. I just don't listen to the facts. Jesse's going to show us a, a clip here that was given to me several weeks ago. Let's see if we can see that one. Can you pull that up, Jesse? Let's see if she can pull it up. Jim Shrimp gave me this. It's called It's Not About the Nail. You got any volume? I've been, I've been waiting a long time to show that one, man. 
I mean, it's not about the nail. You know, in other words, Julius is, he, the conditions, I mean, look at these verses here. You would, you would think they would get it. The facts are pointing that it's going to be difficult to sail on. It says, we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving in, in Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete. He said, man, we, had, it was, we were pulled to some other place. Look at this next verse in verse 9. It says, much time had been lost. It already, the sailing had become dangerous. By now it was after the fast. What's, the, what's he talking about fast? What fast are we talking about here? We're talking about the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement happened around October. Is when the Day of Atonement was going on. And the worst time to sail was between September and November. The facts made it clear. Sailors knew this. They're having the, the facts are, we're having trouble. And Julius is saying, it's not about the nail. It's not about the difficulties. It's not about the wind. And Paul's saying, yeah, it is. You need to listen to the facts. You need to listen to God. And guys, a lot of times what we'll do is the facts are staring us in the face. And we just refuse to accept the facts. I'm in this storm because I'm irresponsible. I'm in this storm because I'm not listening. I'm in this storm because I'm stubborn. Amen? I'm in this storm because I, I, won't, I won't consider what God has to say. I'm in this storm because I'm just arrogant and, and I'm self-reliant and nobody's going to tell me what to do. And that includes you. And then we just want everybody, don't fix me. Just listen. And there's this sticking right out of our head. Causing all kinds of problems. It says, look at this next verse. A gentle south wind began to blow. They thought they had obtained what they wanted. Ah, it's a beautiful soft wind. Now it's time to sail. Right now it looks good. They're not thinking ahead. They're not thinking about the past. They're not learning anything from their past. And they're sure not looking very far ahead. And look what the next verse says. Look what the next verse says here. It says, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from, from the island. And it blindsided them. Kind of like Forrest Gump. Just about then, God decided to show up. And it's just rocking the boat. I mean, almost, and I, you, you can see everybody going, Get the sail down, down over there, down, blah, 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 blah. And Paul's sitting there going, Tried to tell you. How does Paul, how does Paul know this? Because Paul has the habit of listening to God. He has a habit of going through other storms with the help of God. He knows what's coming. And he's saying, we need to stay put. No, you're just trying to get out of going to hear Caesar. No, I, I'm going to go hear Caesar. I'm going to go talk to Caesar. He's going to hear me. But we need to stay put. We don't want to win or hear. We're going to sail on. All right. And they do. And they meet a typhoon. And guys, so often, because we won't... I'll tell you, I, this is true in my life. I don't know how many times I won't accept the facts. And I ask for more. The storm, a longer storm, because I won't, I don't have enough sense to get out of the rain. Huh? People warn us. People try to talk to us. Scriptures, sermons. We have, we have something happens to us and we say, I'm not going to do that again. I'm done doing that. Man, that was too much. Never again, Lord. And, and, and then we find ourselves what? I think I got it, Lord. I think I've got it, Tim. I don't have to listen to you, Dad, Mom. And we hit. Because look, look, right now it's, it's going really good. Right now it's going good for me. And I don't see it coming. I get blindsided by it. I get a nice soft wind, a breeze that makes me feel good now. And the storm is lying ahead because I, will, I just refuse to listen to the facts. Are you in a storm? Have you been in a storm for a while? Why are you in that storm? 
Have you caused it? Or has someone else caused it? Can I tell you whether the storm has happened because of you or someone else? God wants it to be a perfect storm. He wants it to be a storm that has a purpose behind it. He wants something done. Maybe he's getting your attention. But maybe he wants more than your attention. He wants your heart. He wants your obedience, your trust. Or maybe he's wanting you to be in this storm because there's a fella or a woman, Julia or Julius, whichever it is, that needs you to be there and ride that storm through and model for him or her what to do. So I got to thinking, how can we, what can we do? What can I do to make a storm that I'm in or the storms I'm going to face or the, the storms that I, that I encounter with others a perfect storm? Well, let's look at those. Let's look at those, these four elements here. I make it a perfect storm when I rely on God's wisdom over my own. It starts there. When I rely on what God has to say and rely on His wisdom, when I focus on pleasing Him and not on myself and, and focus on what works for me. You know, a hurricane hits. It hits out of nowhere. Before long, bam, this typhoon hits. And what do the sailors do? They start tying the boat up. They start throwing stuff overboard. They're throwing cargo. They're throwing tackle. They end up throwing food. They, they, some of them go for the lifeboat and they have to cut it loose. Why are these sailors doing this? Because that's what they're trained to do. That's what, the, that's what your sailors do when there's a storm. They've been through this and they know what to do. And so they take matters into their own hands and they batten down the hatches and they're going to do everything they can within their own power to get it going and, and, and to get it safe. And it's not working too well. They're relying on themselves. It doesn't work. They try every trick in their sailor book. And it doesn't work. And isn't that our tendency? When storms come, we panic. We start throwing stuff over. But we're making crazy decisions and not even thinking. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm getting out of here. I, I'm not going to go to this church. I'm going to go somewhere else. Or I'm, going to, I'm not going to that group. I'm not going to have that per- It's a disciple. Or that's my problem. Or I, I'm going to quit this job. Or I'm going to get out of this marriage. Or I'm, I'm just going to get away. And we run to the lifeboat. And we're Jerry Riggin trying to get in there. And God's going, What did you do? You're not leaving. I want you in this storm. I was trying to get away. Want to get away? Huh? Don't we? Some of us here? I, I'll go with you. I had somebody say, You know, Don Yoder said to me, Tim, if those parking lights don't work, I'm going to the church. I said, Tell me where you're going. I'll go with you. Are you serious? Yeah. I want to run when it gets stormy and cloudy. It's dangerous. It's scary. And I always, I'm like, well, God, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Why is this storm happening to me? And see, I'm asking these questions, I think, personally, because I don't have the wisdom to know what the purpose of it is. And I don't know if God requires that I have the wisdom to understand the purpose. All he asks me is to have the faith to trust him in it. And just trust his wisdom over my own. See, what I want to do, and maybe what you want to do, when we get into storms, when we get into relationships or friendships or finances are all shot or we get tempted, we want to handle it. I got it. And we want to do our own thing. When, I, when I'm in a storm, what, I, what I've learned the last several years is when I get in a storm, I want to hide Tim, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Well, you seem a little bit flustered. I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm going to go watch a Humphrey Bogart movie and I'll be fine. I don't know what you do to self-medicate, but I tend to watch old movies. And I, I tend to shut down when the storms come. I mean, I know what you do when the storm comes. You close all the windows and close all the doors. You get in the basement. Bam, 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 bam. Tim, you in there? Yeah. Can I come in and help? No. Doors are locked. Too late. We shut down. I shut down. I hide. Hide behind my humor. Hide behind my busyness. Anybody else do this? When the storms come, we do what we do what we've been modeled to do. We handle we handle 
our marriages like our parents did. Now, that can scare some of us here, huh? Scares me. But that's that default switch that we've learned, that hardwiring that we've had done to us over years. We handle, we handle our financial plan or, or our money like we think somebody at work does it. And we really don't know they're in hock up to here. But we just believe them. That they're doing great. And we wonder why it doesn't work. Guys, and look what it says here. Look what, look what the Bible says here. It says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm, it says here, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. This is after they've done everything they can think of. We've given up hope. Why? Why are you giving up hope? It's hopeless because human effort gets human results. That's what you need to remember. The, this, the human wisdom, the things that we do, that we think of, guys, they'll only get human results. And guys, sometimes we need God's wisdom. Because God's wisdom gives us hope and we can anticipate God's results. We can expect God's results when we listen to what the Lord has to say. You haven't you losing control in some places? That's what storms do. You find out how much control you got when you go through a storm. Are you trying to control everything? Do you say to yourself, I've got it? And I want to tell you to your face, no, you don't. You don't got it. Only God has got it. I don't got it. You don't got it. We need we need God's help. We're going through storms. I love this. Like I told you before, it says there they tried to escape in the lifeboat. That's what it says in this next verse. They're trying to get in this lifeboat and God makes it to where the boat is cut loose. He said, no, you're not going. You're not leaving this storm. He said, in fact, he says, Paul tells Paul tells Julius, if those guys leave, we all are going to die. We have to go through this together. So that's that's I got to look at this that, you know, there's a there's a passage of Proverbs in verse uh, chapter 14, verse 12. That's not in your notes. But look what it says here. There's a way that seems right to a man, but at the end it leads to death. That's the problem with human wisdom. It seems to be good, but in the end, it's just. Disastrous. And I think Paul knew two things that he wants you to know if you were in this ship or if you're in a storm right now. He knew two things the crew did not know. The first thing he knew was this. That is that God is not hidden in the storms of life. When the storms come, God's presence, God is not hidden. He goes, remember, he says something like this. He says, an angel stood beside me. Guys, a lot of times we think we're in a storm. Where's God in all this? He's right there with you. He's right there with you. If you'll let him, you'll let him help you through it. Storm can't keep him from being with you. I'm all by myself. No, you're not. The Lord is with you. And you can be sure to this, that his presence is there with you during that storm. But the other thing I want you to know, he knows another thing. And that is that God's purpose is not hindered by the storms of life either. God's plan is going to happen. And you need to remember this. Christian, listen, you need to remember this. We've been looking at, you look at a passage sometime, look at Mark chapter 5. And one of the things about Mark chapter 5 you learn is, when God is in it, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's better than you think it is. God looks at a girl that's dead, a 12-year-old girl that's dead, and he says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. Everybody laughs, but the truth is, Jesus makes it better than it appears. And you might have something going on, you know, Greater Alton may be going, you, you go, man, Greater Alton's going through a tough time, and you're going, man, it just stinks, my marriage stinks, my family stinks, ministry stinks, church stinks, work stinks. And you know what, you bring Jesus into that, and you're going to find out it ain't as stinky as you think it is. If you bring Jesus into the picture. Why? Because God's presence is never hidden by it. And God's purpose is never hindered by it. God got his will done in this storm. Praise God. That's how he works. He can work in my storm? Absolutely. Right now? Absolutely. But you've got to bring him in. 
You've got to make sure he's in your boat. What's the second thing? Let's skip to the second point, Jess. I can make it a perfect storm when I lean on the people God has placed in my life. Not only do I listen to God over, and over my own wisdom, but I lean on people. You know, I, I, was, I did a... You ever do this? You try to do it. Those of us who, if you've read your Bible a lot, you start thinking of all the people in the Bible, like a computer, thinking about who was by themselves in a storm. I can think I can count on one hand or one finger who was by himself. You say, Jesus, he wasn't even by himself. He had his mother and his best friend at the cross. There's a lesson to learn from the one we're following. Never go through a storm alone. You don't have to go through a storm alone. Jonah's the only one I can figure. Wait a minute, he's with a fish. I don't know if that counts. But I mean, you just don't find very many people when they're going through the storms of life by themselves. And guys, a lot of times what we do is, I'm going to, I'm going to handle this myself. I'm going to get in my cellar and I'm going to close the doors. I don't want anybody to help me. I, and God's put people all around me. Look at this. Even the Apostle Paul had people around him. Look at this verse here. It says, we boarded the ship. Circle we. We. Who's we? Who's we? Luke and Aristarchus and Paul. Luke is right there. He's with Paul going through. There's no eyewitnesses. Luke is the eyewitness. And he says, we boarded the ship. God supplied Luke and Aristarchus. Who are these guys? Who are, who are these guys that are with Paul? Well, Luke is a doctor. And by the way, how, does, how do two guys get a, get a ride on a ship with a prisoner? Now, I don't know if this is true. It's never happened to me. But I asked some people and they, that have had this happen to them. They say it is true. But they've had a friend or they've been arrested. And they're sitting in the squad car. And if their friend comes up and says, Officer, can I ride with my buddy to the police station? You know what the officer says? No. You find your own way. I'm arresting this guy. Paul has been arrested. And yet two guys get to go along. How's that possible? God puts him in his life. In Paul's life. So he doesn't have to go through anybody's storm alone. When I was reading about this, what scholars believe, people who know a lot more than me, have said this about, about this situation here. That Dr. Luke... Claims, it claims to be, they think he claims to be Paul's personal physician. He takes care of Paul physically. What about Aristarchus? Well, he claims to be, they believe, he claimed to be Paul's slave. Took care of everything else. You know, God gives us people that will say, you know, you feeling okay? Have you, are you going to go to the doctor? You know, I tell everybody, my, my daughter-in-law, Nicole, says, have you had the doctor yet? I saw that little mishap in Cancun. You looked funny. And then you come back and scare everybody out of their, half out of their wits. What are you doing preaching when you're about to pass out? You should have went home. Just trying to help you, Tim. And she's been on me. Have you got that doctor yet? Well, no, not yet. Are you gonna say, she's going to talk to me after church. I know it. You know, that's true, Tim. Don't make fun of that. Have you been to the doctor? No, I haven't. You know, God has put people in our lives to take care of our physical needs. But Aristarchus is the kind of guy who said, Paul, you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Want to pray together? Did you know Luke? I mean, Aristarchus takes care of Paul's emotional needs. He's a servant to make sure that he's secure and safe. And guys, you know, I just think about, think about the Luke's and Aristarchus's that God has given you. I, I think about them. Some of you I, are in this crowd. I wouldn't know what I'd do. I, don't, I, I couldn't go as far as I've went without you. I've had them all my life. God has put them in my life. When I was lost, God put a, a student from Edwards County High School into my life. And she just started sharing my faith or sharing her faith with me. And I became a Christian because of that. Helping with my spiritual needs. Still does. Still does. Met some low times. Scary times. Right now, tough times, storms between churches. Some of you are so worried. Me too. I want it to work out. I really do. But if it weren't for some of you in this crowd, 
I don't think I could go on. You're a gift from God in my life. Whether it be a breakfast with Bob Hawkins who says, Tim, you're doing a good job. Consider this. Do this. Or if it's a hug from Miranda this morning who just comes up and hugs me tight. It's just that God places. And guys, I know I'm not the only person that God gives people to. Am I right? God has given you people. And you don't have to go through a storm alone by yourself. No, I don't want anybody to know what I'm, what I'm going through. Really? It's not going to be a perfect storm unless you let others lean on other people. You know, it, it goes on to say here in the book of Acts that the Apostle Paul he, he finds some, it says, we, we landed in Sidon and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. Who are these people? He has friends in this town? We have no record of him ever being there before. There's no record of any church being there. How did they get there? God put them there. And I want you to know, God puts people in your life and in my life so we don't have to go through storms alone. But you know what, guys? If you, don't, if you don't use them and take advantage of it, I don't mean take advantage of each other, but if I don't take advantage of that, I go through that storm alone and it's a disaster waiting to happen. I need somebody sometimes to say, Tim, and this happened to me three years ago. Alan and Gary get with me and say, Tim, you're working yourself into an early grave. You're doing too much. You're, in, you're taking, you feel like you're the only one that can do this. And I did. He goes, You've got to let people, you got to let us, let's share the load. Let us, let us in or you're going to be dead. And you know, the, the relief, the relief I experienced was incredible. Then now I have help. I have somebody in my life that says, you're getting out of line or I don't think that's a good thing to say or why do you think that or why do you feel that way? Or, Tim, I can tell you're discouraged. What's going on? I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? And they'll pray with me. Guys, that's the kind of eldership you have. We don't sit around, you know, sit around with cigars and sit around going, okay, what are we going to do? Let's do this. Let's make the church miserable. Yeah. Let's do this. Next time we do church, let's set the chairs up in a circle. We mess with their minds. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's bust up this small group cartel and make them even smaller. Really mess them up. You think so? Oh, we're running low on money. We better start shaking some pockets. That's not what we're about. You know what it starts? It always starts with how you doing. How's your week? I'm noticing something about you. You seem to be burdened. Because we know we can't lead unless we're okay. We're in good shape. And it's friendships, guys, that do that. Do you have friends like that? That will call you out? That will encourage you? That will build you up? That will reassure you that everything's going to be okay? It's a perfect storm when I lean on my friends. Number three, it's a perfect storm when I clear the decks. And you read these passages, guys. I mean, these sailors are throwing everything off the boat. And that's what storms do, don't they? Why are they throwing everything off the boat? Lighten the load so they can survive. And storms will do that. They'll expose everything in your life that really doesn't matter and you don't need to have and you need to throw overboard. Huh? Huh? How many times you've been in an argument with somebody, you're fighting, and the storm comes through, and you're holding the door? And you, I remember Danny and I would be in a big fight. We was in a big fight in the basement one time. Over, I don't even know what it was now. Probably toys or something. Storm comes through. We're holding the door shut because it's blowing so hard outside. You think we're arguing about toys anymore? No. What toys? We're about to die. Storms do that. They kind of single out what matters and what doesn't. And these guys are going, we're going to... They start throwing stuff overboard. We don't need that. See, that's what storms will do. They expose your pride. They expose your materialism. 
They, they expose your stubbornness. You know, when you're laying flat on your back, the only way you can look is up, huh? That's what storms do. They force you to look at spiritual things, at spiritual priorities. Uh, many times in my life, that's what's happened. It makes me realize, man, Tim, I'm so arrogant. I'm so, why are you so prideful? You're so selfish. Why? Because being sick makes you think about what matters. I don't think about how many windshields we're going to put in. or I really don't think about how many people come to church. I'm just thinking about getting well and I want to be with my kids and my wife when I'm ill. No, storms, when you're going through financial storms, you re- and I've went through these storms, what does it tell you? Oh, look. Well, look what I got in my boat. I'm so materialistic. I got to have everything. I got to change this. I've got to change the spending habits I have before it's too late. Off it goes. What do you need to throw off the deck? What needs to go overboard, guys? Think about that. Because it's a perfect storm when you clear the deck. You know, storms do some amazing things. When you do a little research on thunderstorms, you know, the lightning, just the lightning from the thunderstorms releases nitrates into the soil and for the plants to live. Storms knock all the branches, the dead branches off. How many times have you picked up sticks after a storm? You're going, man, what's all these sticks doing here? A storm knocked them out so that new growth could appear. Is there a spiritual lesson here? 50% of the, of the water we get is from storms that nourish our plants here in the United States. If it weren't for storms, you say, well, those people down in Missouri, they're going, they're going through a flood stage. I, I know we can take this way too far. I know. But I tell you what, some people in Missouri, I'm sure, are getting their priorities a little more straight today, aren't they? Because of a flood. And, and not only do storms do all this, they, when, when we have a thunderstorm, it cleans the air of pollutants. How many times have you walked out and you needed to wash your car, but after a thunderstorm, there's no need? And that's what storms do to, these storms do to our lives. They expose what needs to be thrown overboard and they cleanse us. Perfect storms do that. Now, I can either let them cleanse me or make, them, make me cranky. You choose. What needs to go overboard? It says in Hebrews 12, one in your notes, it says, look what it says here. Let us strip off every weight that shows, slows us down, especially the sin that is so easily hinders our progress. The reason these guys are throwing stuff overboard is because it's going to hinder their progress. And guys, what do you need to throw overboard and throw out that's hindering you, that's preventing you from growing and maturing? Because storms, guys, clear the decks. And I'll tell you, Clear the deck when you're going through it. If you're going through a storm right now, look for what needs to go overboard. Number four, if it's going to be a perfect storm, I make it a perfect storm when I use the storm as an opportunity to point to God. As I use this storm to point to God. Why is Paul in this storm? He didn't cause it. He he isn't the one that said, let's go. Let's go this way. It was somebody else. And yet Paul's in it just as much as the guy, the next guy. And a lot of times, guys, we're in storms. What's the, what can I do in this storm? How about, how about give glory and point, and point to God's purpose in all this? Over the weekend, Travis Bournes had a lesson on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And one of the things we found fascinating, as Travis and I were looking at this story, was that, is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow to Nebuchadnezzar's God. They wouldn't bow to this statue. And so it says here in, in the book of Daniel, that he took the strongest men in his army and tied Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up and took them to the furnace. And by the way, it's kind of funny, is that when they said, we're not going to bow, and in fact, they say this, they say, whether God saves us or not, we believe God would save us, but if He doesn't save us, we're still, gonna, we're still not going to bow to your God there. And Nebuchadnezzar blows his top he gets mad tie them up ties them up strongest guys in the army that's what it says the strongest men these big buffy guys how tight are those knots you know they're tight 
takes him to the furnace. He that furnace up, run it up. But they run it up ten times harder than normal. So hot that the strong guys die. Putting them in the fire. And off they go. Oh, into the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar's going, Hey. Here. What? What is it? I thought we threw three guys in there. There's, there's four. And look, they're unbound. Did you, tie, did you guys tie those knots? Oh, yeah. Well, they're not even bound. And, and they're unharmed. And that fourth guy, he looks like a son of a god. What's going on in this fire? What's going on in the middle of this furnace? You know, guys, and this is one of the things that Travis and I were trying to convey to our campus students. When you're going through the trials of fire or the furnace of affliction or through a storm, it's important. Listen to me, church. If you get anything out of this, some of you here need to listen to this. It's important that you burn well. It's important that you go through the storm well. Why? Because people who don't know what to do are watching you. And look look what God promises. You go through a fire, go through a storm. I don't see Paul grabbing stuff and panicking. I see him going, can I help? You want me to do something? I told you guys, it's coming. Hey, those guys over there, I'm telling on them, they're trying to take a lifeboat. You can't leave. <laughs> He's got his wits about him because he's confident. And it, by the way, it, you, you watch that story go from the captain operating the boat and, and, the, and the centurion calling the shots to going to the man of God. What do we do now? What do we do next? And see, guys, the world is a stormy place. People are going through the ringer right now and they need you instead of panicking and wigging out and going doing crazy stuff to listen to God and burn well. Go through the storm well. Have a powerful example of faith because somebody needs to know some answers and they're only going to get them from a godly person. They're going to get them from you. Amen? Because you don't go by your own wisdom anymore. And you lean on your friends. How do you get through this? Well, I have friends. What kind of friends? They're godly friends. Well, I got friends, but they're telling me to leave her. They're telling me to leave him. These friends of mine are telling me to, to, to file bankruptcy and get out of Dodge. To run. What are your friends saying? My friends are saying, stay with her. Stay with him. Pray about it. Work it out. Look what you can do to change things. They're telling me what I need, not what I want to hear. And, and I want you guys to know this morning that God, that God puts you in a storm for a purpose. It's to use you. Now, my, as we close, I want to ask you this question. Who is somebody going through a storm right now that needs you? That needs you to model for them that needs you to model faith for them. Who's somebody going through a storm right now that needs you to be a man of God, fellas, or a woman of God, ladies? Not somebody that spouts off scriptures, but they see from your life. Because I'll tell you guys, leaders are not known for their, the lessons they teach. They're known for the life they lead. You remember that. You need to remember that. Anybody can talk. But when you got, listen guys, when you model for people, this is what you do when you're in a storm. This is what God, this was what pleased, would please God. You're able to help 273 other people on your boat. See, that's what Luke and Aristarchus and Paul modeled. And 273 other people benefited from, by the way, did all of them make it to shore? And what was, I wonder who they gave credit 
for them all surviving and getting through that storm. You think they gave it to the pilot, the captain? No way. The owner? What kind of boat you got? Look at it. It's got. The Apostle Paul? They may have went, man, for you, Paul, I don't know what you've done. And what would have Paul done? Guys, it wasn't about me. It was about the Lord. For with God in our boat, I told you he was standing right beside me. And he reassured me. And I want to encourage you. Eat something. You're going to be fine. Don't be afraid. Just believe. This morning, where are you? What's making, if you're in a storm, is it your fault? And why, what are you doing that's causing the storm? There may be other things. If you're in a, if, if you're in a storm and somebody else, what should you do? What, what kind of decisions should you make today? If you're, if you're somebody who's a guest here and you go, man, I really like this church. I'd like to know more about it. Why not check that box that says, I want to know more about this church? Or if you want to be really brave and really courageous and step out on faith, I want a personal Bible study. Let somebody share the Bible with you. Maybe you're a Christian here and you just need to make a decision. You know, Tim, I, I panic too soon when the storms come. I, don't, I thought I'd be storm free. Oh, honey, listen, you're not going to be storm free. That's the way it is. But there's a God that will help you get through those storms. Why not rededicate your life this morning? That's what this card's for. We're going to sing a song while you fill out this card. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing that song. And then we'll sing, up another, sing another song and take up those cards. And may God bless you. If you're in a storm to get through it, may God give you the strength, the wisdom, and the power.